0: Thanks, Sonny. (laughs) Respect your elders, boy. I remember when I was just a young man, we were starting our series through the Book of Romans. (laughs) Literally this whole thing just for that, just for that. <laughs> uh, so we've been in the Book of Romans for a little bit. Uh, it's been pretty great. Uh, <laughs> can anybody remember when we started going through the Book of Romans? Anybody? Anybody? No. Remember the month, maybe? Uh, so my wife has an amazing memory. Amazing. She's so good with dates. I feel like I have eyebrow on me still. Is that true? Uh, amazing with dates. Uh, we had a lip sync battle for the high school students a couple weeks ago, and the previous one before that was like two years before, back in 2014, and she knew the exact date that we had our first lip sync battle on, like how, how do you know that? But she knew the month that we started our series, The Romans, of course, because she knows everything, uh, it's September, we started Romans September 20th of 2015, true story, Uh, To put in perspective how long ago September 20th, 2015 is, I came up with the top five things that were still true back on September 20th, 2015. Uh, The first thing is that uh, Tommy, who got baptized here today, he didn't even go to this church and now he's getting baptized here. That's pretty awesome. Uh, In the world of sports, uh, Kobe Bryant still played basketball. The Rams still played football in St. Louis. Uh, And it looked like the movie, uh, Back to the Future, was going to accurately predict the Cubs winning the World Series in 2015. It was going to be awesome, and then it didn't happen. In politics, and this is a true story, I'm not trying to say anything about anything about politics, but uh, back on September 20th, Donald Trump still made the comment that he liked the Muslim people. Things have changed a little bit since then. Uh, The top movie back then was the original Jurassic Park. Not really. It was Maze Runner, but who knows anything about Maze Runner? Uh, And I'm pretty sure on September 20th, 2015, Pastor Scott still had a full head of hair. Pretty sure. Um, That's how long ago September 20th, 2015 was. Um, But I kid, how many of you guys really, really appreciate the fact that we just work through scripture? That Pastor Scott's not just finding verses to back up what he wants to say. Uh, It was neat hearing his heart about it last week at the newcomers' lunch, and he just talked about how he doesn't want to just come up with things that he wants to say to us as a congregation, and then find scripture to support it. He just wants to let scripture talk. Um, so I just really appreciate that fact, and it's a fun way to pick on him this morning. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've really liked the book of Romans. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you guys have not loved the book of Romans as much, or you're just ready for a change. And I have good news for you. Paul today, in his section in Romans that we're going through, He's starting to wrap it up, starting to wrap it up. We're getting there, people. We're getting there. Um, So like I said, I've really liked Romans, and I think the reason, well, at least one of the reasons why I've really liked Romans uh, is because it's just applicable. Uh, The people that he was writing to back in Rome, very similar to us today, very similar. Uh, They were good people. They were solid in their faith. They were knowledgeable. uh, But at the same time, they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect, and Paul knew that every once in a while they just needed a good reminder um, to get them back on track, and that's kind of my hope for us this morning is just maybe we hear, uh, we've got three good reminders from Paul, and hopefully that's, that's what they are, just a couple of good reminders for us as we're, as we're doing this life thing. Uh, let's pray, and we'll dive into scripture. Father God, thank you, for, uh, thank you for another Sunday morning. Thank you for a chance to be in your house uh, for a, a, just a chance to sing your praises and to lift you up to honor you, God. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd speak clearly through your word and through Paul's words to the, to the Romans, God. Um, we just, yeah, we want to hear from you. And if there's anything for us specifically this morning that you would just speak to our hearts um, and that you would tell us what you want us to hear uh, and that you just move in us and change us and make us more and more like you. Uh, we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Um, go ahead and open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 15. We are starting in verse 14 today and we're going to be going through verse 21 uh, For those of you who don't know and I know most of you know this uh, but this is something that's very very important if you don't know I've seen people over the last couple of weeks when they're trying to find scripture on their phone they're doing a Google search for the for the passages. Uh, There's a much easier way. And like I said, I know most of you know this, but this is for those of you who don't, and this is going to be life-changing. It's going to be awesome. You can go to the app store and find that sweet little thing. You can download a version. You can have it offline. It is amazing. Go and get that if you don't have it. uh, And then scroll to Romans 15, uh, verse 14. Let's get started. Paul says this in his letter to the Romans. sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Hold there, we're going to stop there for now. Uh, But throughout the book of Romans, uh, and we've seen it as we've been going along in this series, Paul has had to give the Roman people some pretty bold reminders. If we look back to chapter 6, he reminds them and us uh, to stop letting sin rule in their bodies. In chapter 12, he reminds, stop thinking of yourselves too highly. And in chapter 14, this is just a couple weeks ago, I'm sure most of you guys remember this, Pastor John spoke on this, is stop judging each other and arguing over preferences. All great, great reminders. Uh, But here in verse 15 and 16, as he's starting to conclude and wrap up his letter, he says this, and this is a Josh paraphrase of what he just said there in those verses, is, I know that I've spoken really boldly to you. I know I have. uh, But it's been for two reasons. I just want to honor God, and I recognize that it's my responsibility um, to you that I want to honor God. That's why I'm saying these things to you. That's why I'm giving you these reminders. And I just want you to honor God. That's it. I want to honor God, and I want you to honor God. That's why I'm giving you these bold reminders. Um, That's my entire motivation behind it. Um, Our first reminder for us today, um, hopefully that we can take away from Paul, is the reminder number one of godly confrontation. Um, Paul here sets an example for us, Um, and sometimes we absolutely um, need to, it's absolutely necessary to confront our brothers and sisters in Christ for their benefit, Um, but there's also absolutely a right way to go about it, and absolutely a right way to do it. Um, As a generalization, uh, I'm going to say that most people out there uh, are either avoiders or confronters. Uh, Me personally, I'm absolutely 100% an avoider, 100%. I don't like confrontation. Um, I'd much rather, it's much easier for me to just let things slide. Um, I don't like those awkward conversations that you need to have sometimes. I I just don't like it. At all costs, I want to avoid. Um, The Lord has been stretching me a whole lot uh, in that over the past few years. Here as a high school director, um, and we have amazing students. You guys are the best. Uh, We have amazing students here uh, at ABF, but there's time to time where we just need to have some hard conversations, Um, whether that be as an individual or as a group. There's just definitely times where it's necessary in order for them to mature, in order for them to grow in their faith and get closer with the Lord that just sometimes just even some tiny little hard conversations need to be had. Um, I also work part-time, for those of you who don't know, over at Oaks Christian School, I work in the middle school as a supervisor, and I just supervise during break, and my whole job is to make sure that middle school students are acting appropriately and not doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. Um, So my job is to confront said students when they are acting inappropriately and make sure that the behavior stops. I, When I first started, I did not like the job at all. I didn't like it. It was super stressful. Uh, I am a fun doer, not a fun stopper. So I did like, I did not like this role. I wanted to like, have fun, yes, enjoy. I don't don't like, yeah, I just didn't like stopping kids from doing things they didn't want. I didn't want them to not like me. I wanted them to like me. Um, And I realized a thing as avoider Josh, I had a realization that when I did not confront issues when I needed to, do you think their behavior got better or worse? Yeah, it got worse, obviously, right? Uh, And there was also some collateral damage. I realized that kids were getting hurt more often at break and kids were getting picked on more often at break. Uh, And I realized that as a result of that is that I just didn't like my job. Like, I just didn't like it. I felt weak because I wasn't being listened to or I wasn't having any authority. I felt weak. And I wasn't helping these kids develop at, at all. I wasn't helping them develop their character. They weren't becoming better people. I just wasn't helping. Instead, they were getting worse and they were getting picked on. Uh, parents out there, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Spare the rod, spoil the child, absolutely. And uh, I think the same thing can be true of us as a community of believers. Now, I think it's definitely different. It doesn't look the exact same. Like, I don't want to see any spankings outside after service. That would be weird. Um, that would be super weird. Uh, but sometimes we just get a little off. Sometimes as we're doing this life thing, we just get a little off and we could absolutely use some just general, uh, gentle, nice reminders to get us back on track. Um, so I know personally from, from experience, um, back when I was in my early 20s, I had uh, a father-like figure, uh, an older believer, uh, a man that's still a really, really close friend to this day. Uh, he had to confront me on an issue. And um, up until the point of when I was 21 years old, I'd never drank any alcohol, never touched the stuff. Uh, I grew up in a good Baptist church, so it was like evil. Um, and then I turned 21 and I realized that uh, one, it was legal and two, it was acceptable. Like it's not alcohol in itself. It's not the worst thing. It's like, it's not the devil. Um, and so what I did was I kind of just developed my own rules for drinking it. I just developed my own rules for it. And Like, what really is drunk? Like, I knew drunkenness was against what God wanted for us, but what really is that? And I just kind of, like, set my own standard. Like, I knew that as long as I wasn't going to go and drive drunk, and I knew that I wasn't going to go and hook up with girls, um, so I just kind of set my own standard for it. And I remember um, when he brought this up to me, and he just kind of asked me the question, I don't remember the exact words, but he basically just posed the question, Josh, are you uh, living by God's standard, or are you living by Josh's standard? And I remember sitting in the car, we were in a car, and I remember sitting there and I was a little defensive at the time. And I remember even just being defensive in, like on the inside. And I, yeah, just didn't really respond well. I don't think I like punched him or anything, but I didn't respond well. Um, and I remember it just kind of like sat there with me. Like that, that conversation just kind of sat there. And it was a few months later where the Lord just like was continuing to bring that up and continue to work on my heart over it. And I decided uh, by the Lord's just kind of nudging to just do a study of scripture and look and see like, what does God have to say on this alcohol thing? And how, does, how should I respond because of what he has to say in this? And it changed me. Like that study, it, it changed the way that I live. It changed that I lived this day. Um, and it all started with this godly man saying something in my life that I didn't receive right away. Um, avoiders out there, and I'm going to clump myself in there with you guys, because we can absolutely rob fellow believers of spiritual growth when we just avoid necessary confrontation. Absolutely, 100%, we are robbing fellow believers of spiritual growth when we don't speak up and we don't say things when we need to. Um, you confronters out there, you guys are getting kind of excited, fired up about this. Yeah, Josh, tell those avoiders. They're the worst. Uh but let's just let's just keep talking let's just keep talking Con- confronters keep listening uh so as i continued my job over at oaks in the middle school i swung the other way swung the other way and became much much more comfortable in my confrontational role loved ruling with an iron fist uh students listened to me uh i didn't feel weak anymore and you know what it felt honorable i was doing something good i was doing something right Those lawbreakers, they were, like, I stopped them. I stopped the lawbreakers. (laughs) Yeah, felt good. Uh, But confrontational Josh then had a couple of realizations of his own. Uh, I found myself starting to dislike the bad kids or the kids that were acting out. Like, in my heart, I found myself disliking them. Uh, And I also found myself taking disobedience or taking bad behavior personally, like, to me. Uh, and as a result of those things, I didn't like my job. I didn't like it. Uh, I found myself feeling grumpy a lot. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this in your lives, if you've ever um, maybe been a confronter, had a confronting phase. Uh, where when you start taking like, yourself as the police for other people's actions, it just, you just start to feel grumpier. So I, I did. I felt grumpy. Uh, I found myself more strict like with other rules that weren't necessarily as big of a deal. I found myself like, being strict about more things than I needed to be strict about, just because the the fist. <laughs> uh, I also realized that I just wasn't helping kids. Uh, I felt this tension between the kids that I like, started disliking, and I, I realized uh, that this whole... like One of the main reasons when I went into this job... I wanted to be like a picture of Jesus to these kids. I wanted to love these kids well. I wanted to help them grow. I wanted to be like a guy that they could talk to. And I realized, like, I was not that picture of Jesus at all. I wasn't a person that they wanted to talk to about spiritual things. I wasn't, you know, like I wasn't a guy that they wanted to even like talk with. Period. Um, and I kind of had that realization um, that it wasn't it wasn't what I was intending it to be at all. Um, if we look at Paul. Paul's confrontation here to the Roman people is motivated by what? It was motivated by honoring God and by helping them honor God. Uh, if you look here at how he starts this section in verse 14, he says this, I'm satisfied with you. I'm satisfied with you. You're full of goodness, full of knowledge. Um, I think as he said that to this, to this group of people, to the Roman people, um, he was reminding them, like, hey, I love you guys. Like I love you. I'm sad. Like you're good people, but I think he was also reminding himself a little bit, just like, man, I love these people. They're good. Um, and for me, like as I've kind of felt this responsibility uh, to confront in situations, uh, I know it's absolutely good for me to remind myself, man, I love these kids. I love this friend. I love them so much. They're good. They're not perfect, but they're good. Um, and hopefully in it, my motivation is just honoring God, and it's just to help them honor God, and that's it. Um, Paul talked about this in another letter that he wrote to, uh, to the Galatian people, uh, and I like this. I think this is a, a really good picture of it, and it kind of summarizes it in one line. It's Galatians 6, verse 1. It says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And a spirit of gentleness. Um, Looking back to when I when I had to be confronted, um, I'm kind of amazed with the amount of gentleness uh, my friend treated me with. Uh, He was absolutely firm and didn't like waver from truth, but at the same time, like he was so gentle and like I knew how much he loved me, and I knew that the things that he was saying were for my benefit, and it wasn't that he hated me or thought I was terrible, Um, but he was gentle. He was absolutely gentle. Um, My encouragement for maybe there's one or two of you guys out there who have a situation like this. They just come up from time to time. Um, If you're in a situation where you feel like you might be needing to say something, my encouragement is this, and it's pretty simple, is just don't avoid. Like, Don't avoid. Um, It's easier to avoid, but for the benefit of you and for the benefit of your friends and loved ones, don't avoid. Uh, And the other is just don't take it lightly. Lightly. Covered, like, these situations, and I'm not perfect, like, I'm not the master at this by any means, but what I've seen is, like, just a covering of prayer to just surround those situations. Um, asking for wisdom, asking for wisdom on how to confront, on what should this look like, and just asking for, like, humility and gentleness. And I'm not the law, and I'm not trying to come down on you. Um, I'm, I, I love you. Um, but just asking for that, asking for wisdom and asking for gentleness. Um, as we move on to reminder number two, godly pride. Now that, you read that, and that's one of the probably the biggest oxymorons uh, that could be put on paper. Um, the Bible is absolutely loaded with scripture against being proud, like, and we're always reminded to be humble. Paul himself, Paul himself writes many times, many times, and I picked out a couple. In Ephesians 4, he says this, I urge you to walk. In a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness. In the NIV I like it, it says, "Be completely humble. You can't really get around that. Romans 12:16, "Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position." Um, pretty clear. Pretty clear. So, I'm an instigator. I, for those of you who don't know, I, I like to instigate, get things riled up. Like with the high school students, I'm always like, pushing them to get, do crazy stuff. And I had friends growing up, like in high school and college, where I was that guy to like, get them riled up and get them to go do something crazy, do something crazy. Like, that was me. That was my role. I'm an instigator. I like to instigate. Um, <laughs> and here, I'm going to instigate a little drummer. Are you guys excited? This is going to be fun. Okay? So Paul just tells us these things, like we've heard him say these things about not being proud, but listen to what he says here in verse 17, and I quote, he's gonna say this. He says, I have reason to be proud. Paul says that we shouldn't be proud, but he has reason to be proud. What's that all about, right? It's a classic double standard, okay? This is how Paul was all the time. He'd always say something for other people, and then he would act the other way. It was for other people, not for him, right? That sounds like Paul a lot. It's like when your mom... Eats a cookie before dinner and then tells you that you can't because you're going to spoil your dinner. My mom was like, she loved, loved dessert before dinner. She like, every day, she loved dessert before dinner. Uh, Classic line, and you can use this if you want someday. Dessert first, the rapture might happen. That's good. Take it, (laughs) use it. Uh, Classic Paul, right? Double standard. He just lives how everyone lives and he tells everybody to live another way. Okay, no, ob- absolutely not. Like, that's about as far from the truth as Paul as can be. Like, he's the man. If he says it, he's living it. Okay, so let's take a look. I hope, like We're excited. What is Paul saying here? Verse 17. Let's look. Let's take a look. Verse 17. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything... Accept what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Just like the Lord used uh, my friend back in my life when it came to, the, uh, to alcohol, Um And God used that and changed me through it. God used Paul in the lives of countless, countless, countless people. God used Paul in the lives to speak truth to people and their lives were changed. There were so many people that the Lord used Paul in their lives that he absolutely had reason. He had absolutely had reason to be proud. Absolutely he did. But look at his response here in verse 18. If you look, I think, this is, I think this is the crux of it right here in verse 18. He says this, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. What Christ has accomplished through me. Uh, see, Paul was not confused. He wasn't confused even a little bit. He knew without a doubt, 100%, that God was the one doing the work. He was the one working on hearts. Uh, He did not have power in himself to perform miracles. As I looked through and I saw just a couple of the miracles that Paul did, here's one in Acts 14. There was a man crippled from birth, couldn't use his feet, just sat. And Paul commanded him, stand up and walk. And he did. In Acts chapter 20, there's a guy, I don't know what he's doing, but he's sitting up on the third story and he fell out the window on the third story building, fell down, died. Paul went, grabbed him, and the guy came back to life. Paul knew, he wasn't, he wasn't confused, Paul didn't think, oh man, I am I'm powerful, like, I got this something in me where I can heal. He wasn't confused at all. He knew without a doubt, 100%, that it was the Lord that was doing it. Um, I think a problem for us today is that I think we can get fooled into the lie of believing that we're the ones actually doing things. Um. I think it's easy for us to believe that we are the ones that earned that income, that we were the ones that killed that presentation at work, nailed it, had great insight. I had this conversation, a spiritual conversation, and I had this amazing insight into this conversation. And then I had, I had this conversation with a student, and I just had, this, I had such good advice for them. I had such good advice. And then I preached the sermon and it was awesome. Like I think we can just get like caught up into thinking that we're the ones doing stuff. Um, in my life, I've seen this work uh, in, in two different areas of my life. High schoolers, I'm sorry. We just talked about this a couple weeks ago, but you can listen again. Um, it, in two areas of my life, I see this prevalently. I see it in, when it comes to basketball and athletics. And I see it in ministry. So for me... Just talking about me here, um, I, I've noticed that it's super easy for me to forget that God is the holder of my ability. Not only did He give it to me, like when I was first formed, um, my physical abilities and all of my abilities combined, like He gave them to me then, but He's the holder of them now. Um, and He can give and take away as He pleases. Um, uh, I don't know about you again. But in my life, I've seen it where on the basketball court, if I have a really good day and I play really well and I start thinking, man, I'm really good at this game. I'm really, really good. um, That pretty soon, sooner rather than later, um, some humble pie is coming my way. And I feel like uh, the Monstars like stole, sucked my power out and Space Jam, good movie. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but I just like, do I even know how to play basketball? I've just seen that in my life over and over again. When I start thinking that I am the stuff, that humility is coming my way. Humility is coming my way. Uh, I've seen that in ministry, in the spiritual world as well, um, that sometimes I just start thinking that I am really good at my job. I'm a really good high school director. Uh, Either I'll have a good message or... I feel like I had a good message or I have a good conversation with a student and feel like I give some really good advice. Um, and I'm so quick to forget that just like a half hour ago, a day ago, in the moment, I'm like on my face, like on my knees, like begging, Lord, please give me something to say. Like I don't have any wisdom. Uh, I'm not I'm not a wise guy just like in myself and I'll admit that. Um, like I'm just not. I'm just not. And so like, I remember those times of being on my face and begging the Lord for words, begging the Lord for wisdom, and then when he comes through and he gives, somehow I change it around after the fact in my brain to think that I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, And I just think it's easy for us to do this. And Paul knew, Paul knew that his abilities, Paul knew um, that all heart changes were not because of him. He knew that it was the Lord working and that God is the only one that changes hearts. Uh, And he wouldn't speak about it any other way. Even though he had reason to be proud about it, he wouldn't speak about it any other way. So why would we? Um, Hopefully that's a good reminder for us this morning. Moving on into our last couple of verses. We're in verse 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Again, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. Now this one's pretty easy, okay? We're going to get pretty practical here. So I've been talking with the missions board, missions committee, and what we did was we bought a bunch of plane tickets out to some remote villages and tribes where people have Probably never heard of the gospel. And you guys are going to grab one on the way out. You're going to go home, pack up, and I'm going to see you guys at LAX three hours. Does that sound good? Is that enough time? We good? Okay, this goes along with ABF's uh, doctrinal, doctrinal statement um, that all believers are supposed to be long term, full time, global missionaries. Okay, this is a joke. It's, it's a joke. We're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not doing that. Um, I like being the high school guy I can just like say stuff I I don't even feel bad about it Uh, So it was was pretty cool having Nate and Abby Burris around For those of you who got to hang out with them at all Uh, They're long term missionaries in Papua Uh, It was really neat getting to hang out with them I got to hang out with Nate a little bit Uh, Just a good dude, awesome beard Awesome beard um, but just loves Jesus and like is so clearly called to the people of Papua, so clearly called like dude was like always talking about it, and it 's just cool to see um, him and see his heart and see his passion and see his clear calling um, I think it 's neat for those of us, um, you and I who are not currently called to the missions field out in some remote village uh, that we get a chance to partner with that that we get a chance to send that we get a chance to uh, go with and support um, people like that, people like Nate and Abby. I just think that's really, really neat. Um, However, that doesn't let us off the hook of this godly ambition, which is reminder number three, this godly ambition that Paul had to share the good news of Jesus um, so that more people would see and more people would understand what a relationship with Jesus looks like. Um, So what does this mean for us, those who are not called globally? Globally currently to the most remote places of the world. Well, for me, my personal takeaway this week is I was just studying and just kind of wrestling through, like, what does this mean for us and what does this look like for us? Uh, This idea came to me, and I really like it. I can't can't get over it. It's just the idea of let's keep taking new ground. Let's keep taking new ground for the kingdom. Um, Lindsay and I, uh, my wife and I, we just moved a couple of months ago. And so we've got this like fresh slate, we've got this new neighborhood, we've got new neighbors, um, we've got this new area and kind of like this missions feel is the way that we're, we're trying to see it and just super excited about like and praying through like, Lord, use us here in this new community, use us here with these new group of people, these new friends, um, open doors for us to be able to have conversations and get to know and love well. And as we've been talking, it's been really fun to just kind of talk and strategize um, through that. Uh, but we've been trying to figure out like, what that looks like practically and tangibly, and the Lord gave me a really cool reminder this week. He gave me a really cool reminder this week as I was going through my devotions, and I was in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14, and it's one of my favorite all-time Old Testament stories, and it's a story of King Saul and his son Jonathan and a small portion of the Israelite army. And they are hugely outnumbered by the Philistine army, hugely outnumbered. More than 12 to 1, they're outnumbered by the Philistines. And so because of this, they go into hiding. They go into hiding wherever they can find hiding. They're in caves. They're in graves. They're in cisterns, whatever those are. Uh, They're hiding everywhere. They're hiding everywhere. And after uh, over a week goes by, and Jonathan is sitting there with his, his armor bearer, the guy that's carrying all his weapons. And he says to him, hey, I got an idea. Let's go over there by the Philistine army, and perhaps, perhaps, the Lord will act in our behalf. Let's go over there, and perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Um, So they start moving, him and his armor bearer. They start moving over towards the Philistine army, and what happens? The Lord acts in their behalf. So Jonathan gets over there and pow, pow, takes on 20 dudes all by himself. All by himself. I mean, obviously, the Lord's got to be helping him, unless Jonathan was a stud. He might have been. I don't really know. Um, but takes out 20 dudes all by himself, judo chop. And uh, then God just fully gets behind him, gets behind him. He sends a panic into the Philistine camp. So they're all panicking, complete with earthquake. So like earthquake, rumble, rumble. They're all panicking. Ah! They start fighting each other. The Philistines start fighting each other, and then they retreat. Um, as I was thinking through this story, it's interesting because God could have done that a week ago. He could have done the panic, earthquake, fighting each other, retreat thing a week ago. Um, but he waited for Jonathan to start moving, and then he fully got behind him. All right, Jonathan, you're going. I'm with you. Let's go. Let's take some ground. Um, and I love that idea when it comes to us taking new ground, um, in our lives, because why? Because it takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off of you. It takes the pressure off of me. I think sometimes, because we hear this in church, like we'll come to church and um, sometimes we feel like we need to be out and sharing. And, uh, but sometimes we, we put this pressure on ourselves that we need to make something happen or we need to be the friendliest person and like, have the smile on our face when the neighbors are walking by. Uh, like We have to be this like used Jesus salesman um, and I just think that's not true. Like, we don't. We don't at all. We just need to give God an opportunity to act. We just need to give God an opportunity to act. Um, so it can sound like, well, I don't really have any part in that, but there's absolutely action on our part required as well. Um, and I would propose that we need to be active in this in, in just two ways um, and then let God handle the results from there. The first way is, I propose we need to be really active in prayer. Um, So in our high school ministry, we have a student leadership team, and we meet a couple of times a month as a leadership team, just the high school students. Um, And what we decided to do a couple months ago was we said that we were going to start praying for some of our student leaders' friends, just their unsaved friends, um, and prayed for them by name, and just prayed, Lord, would you... Open doors would you like work in their hearts? would you make yourself real? would you um, yeah, would you get them here on campus if that's what it takes, but anything for that, you to get a hold of their hearts um, and it's been crazy it's been crazy to see not only how directly God answered but how quickly God answered and to just see some of these students that we prayed for by name coming in the doors and kids that weren't uh, interested at all in coming before and now are coming regularly and Um, like hearing hearing stuff about the Lord on a weekly basis, um, it's been crazy. It's been crazy, and it's nuts how God answers prayer. Weird, right? Weird, but He does. Um, the other the other thing that I propose that we need to be active in is active in just looking. Active in looking. Um, so not all of us out here are Stephanie Rosses. If you don't know Stephanie Ross. The girl, the woman, oozes hospitality. Like, I'm pretty sure it's excreting out of her pores. Okay? Like, you could just go and get a little jar of hospitality, it's nice. Um, It's just coming out of her. It's natural, and I'm not that way, just naturally. Um, But what I've noticed about Stephanie is she's kind of ninja-like. She is, like, looking and lurking. Uh, Sorry, that sounds like evil, but she's, like, looking for, like, opportunities and excuses to to serve and to love people well. She's just looking. Believers, unbelievers, she's just looking for opportunities to love people well. Uh, And here's another hint uh, that I've noticed is with her, it's almost always includes food. I don't know what it is about us, but we just like food. So like she's always using and looking for opportunities um, to love people well. Uh, I'm going to close just with one story um, from this past week. So Stephanie will go and talk with some of the high school students from Agora High when they park out here in our parking lot during the week. Uh, and she invited a group of, uh, students over for lunch and about 12 to 15 high school students from Agora High that don't attend our church at all, most of whom I've never seen before in my life, uh, came and she made lunch for them and, uh, she invited me and I got, we just got to hang out and eat with these kids and talk with these kids, kids that never seen before, not church kids at all. Um, and it was cool hearing Stephanie's heart on it afterward, um, but she just, said, like, she just said, like, I just want these kids to feel loved, and I just want them to feel comfortable here on a church campus, and I want them to associate the church with a place uh, that loves them well. And, like, she doesn't know what's going to happen with those kids. She has no idea. She has not a clue, um, but she's giving God an opportunity to act. Um, for you and for me, how about us? Where can we start moving? Where can we take some risks? Where can we offer up some food maybe? Um, we've heard it repeatedly this morning um, from godly confrontation that God's the only one that's going to work in their hearts. He's the only one that's going to work and move in their hearts. Uh, we've heard it in godly pride. Um, God is the one that has given us our abilities, and he's the one that's doing any kind of work if it's worthwhile. And here we see that he's the one that's got to work in other people's hearts um, in this godly ambition to go and share. Like, he's the only one. That's changing hearts, and we just need to give them some opportunities to act. Um, Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul and his heart, and thank you for just some things that we can learn from him this morning and learn from your word this morning, God. Uh, I pray that you just go before our weeks. Uh, Would we give you amazing opportunities to act, and would you come behind us, God, Uh, Help us to tune our hearts to yours. Help us to align with what you want. Uh, I pray that you would direct and guide our steps and that you would open amazing opportunities as we just walk forward in faith and give you opportunities to act. We depend on you because we can't do it ourselves and we know that you're the one that changes hearts and goes before us and softens soil, God. So we trust you, we love you, and we just thank you for a chance uh, to be together this morning. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.